All right, well, welcome everybody once again to the Nefesh Podcast. This is episode 48. I'm Sandy Jo Leonard, and if you're new to the podcast, the word Nefesh, it is just the Hebrew word for soul. And so this podcast, as well as where I am focusing right now, is all on the soul and spiritual formation. And I want to encourage you to go check out my website, thespiritualreformation.com. So thespiritualreformation.com. And it's there to provide resources for your soul and spiritual development, whether it's one-on-one coaching or uh, uh, live group classes or courses that you can purchase and download. The goal is to help come alongside you and encourage your growth and your spiritual formation process. And in this episode, episode 48, we're going to be talking about troublemakers and the soul. And I think I have brought along one of the best troublemakers. Uh, this is no stranger. She is no stranger to our podcast, Miss Adriana Rubio. Welcome. Thank you. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know if I'm complimented by that introduction, but it's okay. You're not wrong. It's just... I'm not wrong. And as I was uh, I was thinking about the podcast this week, I texted you earlier and I was like, hey, so do you want, you know, do you want to come on my podcast? I'm talking about troublemakers and <laughs> and you know you're like well why why did you think of me i was like uh no <laughs> sorry if i'm causing any trouble but no, I'm <laughs> but you know i've been thinking a lot about and i've even shared recently about martin luther and the protestant reformation and uh just you know back through history even going back to to Jesus, obviously, you know, he is he is the measure and the standard of everything. But he really was a troublemaker to to everybody around him except for the people that he was healing and feeding and the disciples. But but to the religious leaders, the establishment at that time, he caused trouble. He wasn't letting things lay. He wasn't he was he wasn't uh, just saying everything is good, just keep doing what you're doing, all is good. I'm just going to go hang out on the cross for, you know, a little bit and right. die and, right. and then, you know, everything's good. No, he disrupted the system. And I, I feel like, you know, so often that whether it's just, you know, daily life, our, our work, the church, we get so comfortable. We just get caught up in the day-to-day and the mundane that we we don't always deal with things that need to be dealt with. We don't like to, right? We don't always stand up for the things that we need to stand up for. We just kind of get into a groove. And especially, we don't like standing out. Now, you've had some experience standing out. Well, I choose to stand out (laughs) sometimes. So you can't see me, but I currently have blonde hair. And green I'm, hold on. Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. So, <laughs> I'm naturally a brunette, Puerto Rican, woo-woo, pride. New York, Puerto Rican. New York, Rican, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have the classic New York, Rican blonde, because our hair doesn't really get, it's hard to get it like the really pretty, like, natural-looking blonde. It's not natural-looking, and I'm totally okay with that. Okay. But... I also wanted blue hair, so I put a section of my hair that was blue, and then it's slowly kind of washed out, so now it's more green. It really is giving mermaid vibes, <laughs> but you know what? That's fine. We'll redo it eventually, or I'll pick a new color. It's I just had purple. I've had red. I've had green. I've had blue. I've had pink. I tried pink. Anyways. Um, and so with the hair color, that is that your way of trying to stand out and make yourself known? It's not so much like look at me, I'm different. It's more so much like, look at me, I don't care what you think. <laughs> it's kind of just I'm rebellious. And yeah. I don't care what you think. I'm different because I don't care. <laughs> kind of. Or just like, it looks cool. And yeah. I want, like, it looks, when I straightened it yeah. and I first had the blue, I was, it was giving rocker, like, <laughs> punk rock, Avril Lavigne, you know, she was a skater. No, he was a skater boy. She said, see you later, boy. Remember that song? Anyways, no, I do it not. was one of those back in the day. Like, this is like, oh, I've always wanted to do this. And now that I'm an adult, I'm like, I'm going to do whatever I want. <laughs> 
especially because you grew up in a church that did not allow you to do anything with your hair. Facts. Wasn't it like long all the way down to your back? It was down to, down to my waist. Wow. Early, big, down, all the way down here. Yeah. How in the world did you serve? I mean, I have long, curly hair, but it's not quite that long. I did no. when I was a kid, but it was a lot shorter. Well, not that much shorter than yeah. I am today, but but still short. <laughs> <laughs> still shorter, and that's a lot of hair, right? Yeah, we just... Tied it in a bun and had played outside. <laughs> Got lice a few times. You know how it goes. <laughs> it was a lot to manage as a child. But, I mean, you know, you deal with it. And then once I got old enough, I chopped it all off. And then... But you grew up in a, a more, we've talked about it before, a much more constricted and rigid uh, environment in your church your church background. Right. And I, I've shared this before. I think I've shared it on some of the podcasts and I know I, I just shared it with you, but the, you, you remind me of this movie, Simon Birch. And it's a, it's a like early two thousands, late nineties movie. Ashley Judd is in it. And this, there's this little guy who has some type of deformity or disability. And so he's shorter than normal. And he's one of those who kind of causes trouble, not because he tries to, he just, he asks questions. He push, puts himself out there. He, he, you know, at one point it shows a scene of him in Sunday school. And I don't know if they're talking about creation or evolution or something, but the teacher is ignoring him and his questions. And finally he stands up on the chair and the teacher is like yelling at him, <laughs> but he's just wanting to ask. He's just wanting to know. Right. That's how I picture you growing up and in fact I can't even picture you growing up in that church because you're way too much of a troublemaker like it did you constantly get in trouble okay so well it depends on your definition of trouble (laughs) no there was the there was like sometimes my mom would just tell me to like like shush me or like just hush because you're doing too much like you know you're just asking too many questions or like this is not the time to like, we agree with you as the adult. Maybe we agree with you, but we all know, like, we don't talk about that. So don't talk about that right uh, now, okay. which made me believe, like, you guys don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I can't wait to be an adult because I know how to be an adult. Like, you know, I just really had no, uh, I just assumed adults were confused and they needed me to help them <laughs> show them the way. You're not wrong, right? Yeah, I wasn't wrong. I just, you know, like, but I definitely had a lot of questions, especially when, what they're telling you. So the way that it was in my church, they would say certain things that were very general statements just to, you know, get kids to stop asking questions or, you know, like just generally teach something like, like say women wearing pants, like we don't wear pants. Well, why? Well, how do you teach a six-year-old that putting on jeans will accentuate your curves and then like men will be looking, you're not, you're not going to say that, right? So it's just like... Is that the reason? I guess I've never really thought about it. It's but a modesty that, thing. That's the reason? It's to be modest. You would wear a dress. Wow. And so it's fine. Modesty is not sure wrong sure. for your definition of modesty, right? <laughs> so as a little girl who's running around in yeah. dresses, you're telling me I can't wear pants, but then if I want to ride my bike, it's like, well, go put on some shorts. And I'm like, if I could just wear pants... <laughs> So I'm not again. On, the <laughs> motto of your life is I just, just want to wear, wear pants. pants. No. <laughs> it just didn't make sense to me because I'm like, okay, you want me to wear shorts to cover up underneath my skirt, but then I have to wear. I mean, I tried to get away with like skorts, but that still didn't. First work. of all, fashion it was not fashionable. Number one, <laughs> number two, it's still shorts in the back, so it was still inappropriate. We couldn't wear them. But the idea, <laughs> the idea was, as a kid, it's just kind of like. Girls don't wear pants, and then you're also taught when you do bad things, you go to hell. Like, that was also part of the right. general teaching. So I'm thinking wearing pants sends me to hell. Wow. Because, you know, you're just putting puzzle yeah. pieces together. Right. But then we're in the car, and we had one of those uh, CDs. For those of you that don't know, a CD. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but we had the CD case, and you know how, like, you open it, and the front cover comes out when you open it. You unfold right. it. You have all the lyrics Pictures and everything. And Very all that. cool. Yeah. My graphic designer... Love of layouts started at that young age. Like, wow, (laughs) look at how they laid all this out. Anyways, they would do photo shoots, right? The singers, and they'd have all the different poses because they're in the whole pamphlet. Right. We had this one girl, and she sang Jesus music, loved Jesus, sang all the songs, worship. It's worship stuff. But she was in jeans. And I'm sitting here like, this poor girl is going to hell. And she's singing about Jesus, but she's wearing pants. Wow. So how can you really love Jesus, right? How old were you at the time? Oh, I don't know. 
younger than 10. Wow. I was definitely younger than 10. And I'm sitting there like, okay. But then it's like, wait a minute. Why are we listening to this? Yes. Isn't this like blasphemy or something? <laughs> She's wearing jeans. We're it's just blasphemy. Hypocritical. <laughs> so my little brain is trying to put pieces together, and yeah. I really wanted everything to be black and white. Right. Because they made because, it well, seem kids, black and white. Well, kid, and kids un- have that understanding. Um, that's just how they develop. So their yeah. moral development, kids, uh, all kids, they have a certain black and white, right or wrong understanding of the world, right? So they'll identify if somebody's wearing a police uniform, even if it's not a policeman, even if it's a bad person, yeah. they'll automatically think uh, that's a good good guy. And then right. if somebody's wearing like a prison uniform, that's automatically a bad guy. Right. Well, those are things that we actually, moral development says that we're actually supposed to grow out of that. And it's a whole other topic, and it's yeah. you know going into the faith next stages. Time yeah, on next the time, <laughs> the stages, the stages of faith. Talk about that is like stage one or stage two of our faith stage, mm. and yet there's some churches, namely that one yeah, and others, stay in that, yeah. they stay in that very black and white. It's either right or wrong. Um, it's a do and don't type of culture, legalism, yeah. right? And so for you. Of course, that's what your mind is connecting. She's wearing jeans. It, you told me jeans are bad. Therefore, jeans are bad. So she's bad. Right. Or she doesn't know that she's going to hell. Maybe no one told her. <laughs> I don't know. But either way, why are we listening to her music? Right. right? Because she's Spanish and she, she sings in English and Spanish. And it's like, ooh. Did you ask your parents? I don't remember if I asked or if I just internally said, they obviously lied to me. Wow. Someone's lying. <laughs> Or we're, you know, listening to this music and it's not okay. Right. I don't remember ever asking. I should ask my mom. She'll probably tell me yes and I ignored you. (laughs) Yes, but we didn't know what to answer, so we just hushed you. Just listen to the songs, honey. So it was hard to understand when you're told one thing, but then you see something else. I mean, there was a church that was up the street from our church that was more, quote unquote, liberal because they... They would wear dresses to church, but right. outside of church, they could wear pants. It was okay. just like when you enter the house of the Lord, you wear a dress. So you're not, you know, distracting anybody sure. with those tight clothes. <laughs> wear those jeans. Those jeans are <laughs> such a distraction. So you wear your nice dresses and whatever okay. to church on Sunday. But during the week, wear whatever you want because, you know, you're out in the yard, you're sure. at work, you're doing errands, whatever. So, and they also could cut their hair, wear makeup, have earrings. So they were like, but their church, their church service was just like ours. Wow. We sang the same songs. It was wow. like the same beliefs, except for the external. Okay. How you present yourself. Sure. Which for me, it was like, I was confused. Yes. Because you're on one side, it's like, wouldn't you want to bring your best to God? So right. like you would want to do your hair and your right. makeup and like. Right present yourself right. pretty, quote unquote, be prettier, right? right? Like you're, what society says is like you mm-hmm. now have tried. <laughs> but then you have a church of people that look like they're not trying. <laughs> and I'm like, is this really God's best? You can't comb your hair? Like what? You know what I mean? So it just was like, my hair was the you, only thing I had. You might as well just actually. like put a bag over your head. <laughs> there were some churches that wore the little veils. The, the veil. that yeah. We would just call them doilies. But they would put that on. Thank God my church is not one of those. But it was almost in like, you're, you're so humble, hmm. but you're like proud of it. Yeah, right. Which takes away. Wasn't, I think you were telling me uh, or telling us about one doily that was all bedazzled. Yes, there was a lady I saw, hers had rhinestones on it. And I was like, uh, I think this takes away from what you're trying to say. We will do anything to try to make anything look good. It just, which I think that because that's our nature, yeah. especially like as women, like you yeah. want to. Look feel good. pretty. You sure. want to feel good. So like new clothes, sure. nice new haircut, or you you get your hair styled or whatever, earrings, makeup, whatever the thing is, it makes you feel good. Right. So when I feel good, then it's like, I think God feels good that I feel good. Sure. You know what I mean? So did you ever like stand up in church and protest that? Or did you do all your protesting at home, which never got you anywhere? You, <laughs> and, well, <laughs> not until I was 20, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> At 20, somehow you reached a I point where you, myself. <laughs> you put on those jeans and you walked yourself. I just wore them to the house. I was like, I bought myself <laughs> jeans, mom. I don't know what you're going to do about it. 
Sorry, was, but also. Was there ever a time in church where you you um, got in trouble or you kind of outwardly protested some of the, the harsh stuff? Well, okay, so I grew up in this church my whole, I mean, zero to 20. Your grandmother there. started the church, yeah, right? She yeah, she did. So I was basically just there from birth. Right. I'm in the church. So they knew me. Okay. And I had the same pastor. He became the lead pastor when I was one. Okay. So he was there the whole time. Whole so life. they saw me in diapers. They watched me grow up. Saw all the versions of me, right? <laughs> all the different growth, just what I went through. So me as a kid, I didn't necessarily care as much about the pants and all that, right? As like a little kid. You, sure. It didn't make sense to me like riding my bike with sure. shorts. That didn't make sense. But sure. it was fine. It's really more the teen years where mm. it's like, I want to express myself yeah. through my clothing. Right. And you can't tell me what to wear, mom. I'm going to pick <laughs> my own clothes out, you know, whatever. But when I was a kid, like seven, eight, younger, um, I remember that I, I remember there was one time we were in Sunday school and the, pa- or like a kid's service, whatever. The pastor was preaching about the Ten Commandments. And I just asked because I just, I like to challenge. I don't yeah. know why, but it's just You me. just have a curious mind. I asked if the Ten Commandments, there's one of them that says, don't steal. And then there's one that says, honor your mother and father. I asked a question, what if my mom asked me to steal something? Like, which one right? do I follow it in number order? Like, oh, sure. this one's number five, but this one's Therefore, number eight. Therefore, it's more important. So, right. yeah, it's, I didn't, he never answered me. It was, <laughs> it was one of those scenarios of like, we'll talk after class. And then never had the conversation. Mm. And inside of me, it was like, you don't think, first of all, there's two sides. There's, you don't think my question is valid. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not, I'm not being heard. Right. Slash, you probably don't know what you're doing. <laughs> which, which of those did you feel like was more true? Did you feel like, okay, he's not really hearing me and, and doesn't care? Or he doesn't know the well, answer? <laughs> as time went on, there was more and more things that I'd be like, I don't think that these adults... Hmm. know why they believe what they believe they're telling us what this is this is what the bible says but i'm like where and then they would give a verse that could like kind of sort of maybe mean that and i'm like well that's not what that says right you're making so how did they respond to that when you when they present you a verse something about modesty it doesn't say anything about genes because genes did not exist in the in the the bible Uh, and they give you this verse and what do you do? And you say, this isn't in there. How do they respond? Obedience over sacrifice. Wow. They just drop that verse right it's on just, you. Yeah. Just, well, what is this church's rules? Hmm. God would be more pleased that you're following in this church. That you're obedient. you're going to this church. So that you're obedient the to the here. authorities within the church. Yeah. Because in the Old Testament, it says obedience is better than sacrifice. Right. So it's not about being right or wrong at that point. Because wow. once we've lost the argument, it's right. like, well, we're the boss. Well, it, right. And that's... I we're mean, adults and you're a child. And that absolutely happens What is that a from lot. Matilda? And it's like, I'm big and you're small. <laughs> and I'm right and you're wrong. That's what it felt like. It's like, okay, this is stressful. <laughs> but it really felt like, all right. So, and then because there's always this like sin conscious you're right. gonna go to hell every two seconds right. there's a side of me that's like am i trying to be right hmm. or do i really want to honor god and should i just obey which is kind of what i did in my later 20s like all right you wouldn't so for you it wasn't and and i think that's a that's an important part of your personality and even your spiritual you know your your spirituality that you're not out there being this rebellious person for the sake of being rebellious or not at all. It doesn't, I mean, I don't, it doesn't sound like you were, like you actually followed the rules, but it's, there was that conscience part of you that was saying, I really don't want to go to hell. I really don't want to disobey God. So am I just challenging or is this really right? Or, and it's that age. I mean, again, in the whole development process, teenagers, when they get to that time, they are challenging. They're challenging yeah. everything. And especially in institutions where there aren't, it's not a healthy dynamic, right. family, church, whatever, and there aren't good reasons for why you're doing something, it, it just only fuels more of that yeah. rebellion, right? And it made me just... Part of it made me like, okay, when I'm an adult, right. then I'll make decisions and I'll do things different. Right. But let's just get through 
whatever years we have left. <laughs> you know, when I live here, when I have my own house, then I can, you know, mm. do what I want. But like, and it's and it's partially like as you grow up. I had a uh, one of my pastors always said this like it's hard for teenagers turning into their 20s when they still live at home or whatever. Right. It can be a lot of, a lot of tension because yes. you want to be the new, like, king or queen, but right. there's already a king and queen of this house, right. right, this castle. Right. So you're now like, well, I'm an adult. And it's like, but you're not the adult. Right. This is not your house. Right. Your mom or your dad still makes the rules. Right. And so then it's like, you should probably yeah. move out if you're going to be fighting them. But but when you're especially when you're younger, you think yeah. you know everything. So you're right. like, mom doesn't know what she's doing. Right. Dad doesn't know. I should tell them that they need to because we're so enlightened. Well, and let me just say, <laughs> you're a whole lot more enlightened than others. Uh, by the way, she has 136 IQ. I just want to throw that out there. And if you don't know what that means, that means she's incredibly smart. So I can picture you at five or six <laughs> or even at two, like telling people. <laughs> Like what, Matilda. Yeah, like telling people what to do because you may know. You may know exactly what to do and they're not listening. <laughs> I guess. But it just, there's this level of like, I might be right, yeah. but this is still their house right. and these are still their rules. Right. And so even when I started wearing jeans, I remember I got into a fight with my mom. Mom, if you're listening, don't worry. I still love you. <laughs> but we got into like an argument because I got a new job and right. I started going to a new church right. and I could wear pants and the right. church that I went to was totally fine with it. Yeah. So I was not being disobedient anymore. <laughs> you could say... This church allows me to wear pants, yeah. so I can wear pants because I'm under that authority, but you're still living at home. Correct. So? So my argument was, well, if you want me to move out, I can. Wow. Which, of it's course. Pants, I was, it's pants or moving out. I was, you, were serious, you were serious about wearing the pants. I was like, <laughs> I just want to wear pants. And I know my mom obviously would not ever kick me out of the right. house over pants, but right. she was so upset. Like, this is not how we raised you. Like, right. this is not, you don't need to be doing this. Right. And it's like, cool. But what's more important to you? Hmm. Seeing me come home every night, knowing that I'm safe, knowing yeah. that I'm here, yeah. or me trying to go find a roommate somewhere. Yeah. I had friends that I could be like, hey, can I crash sure. on your couch and whatever? I mean, I'm 20. Sure. My mom's like, no, you will not leave this house. <laughs> Like at that point, it's like just wear your pants and oh. whatever because it's not that big of a deal, right? But which is really good. Like your parents, I'm really glad that that was their response because yeah. it absolutely could have gone the other way. I mean, yeah. there are countless stories of such parents who are so rigid in in whether it's religious rules or other things that they would have they would have kicked their kid right. out for that. And I think. Like, my mom's dad was very strict, mm. and so she didn't want right. to be that way with us. Like, she still was like, hey, just just follow the rules. Like, why right. can't you just follow the rules? But right. because I'm not the rule follower like that. <laughs> I am to a certain extent, yeah. right? Like I, But you just want to know that there's a reason behind the rule. Sense. If yeah. there's no reason behind the rule, why am I following this rule? Yeah. So, okay, in, in a situation like, let's say... Like a really big one. This is going to be hard because neither of us have experienced this. But like segregation right. in the South, in the United States in the 1960s. And you got people like, or 1950s, um, you got people like Rosa Parks. And the famous story is right. that this woman, back in uh, the time of segregation, if you were a black person, you had to sit on the back of the bus. There was a special place for you on the public transportation, on the bus. And even if, so there was a certain section that was just for you, but if there were no seats available anywhere, you had to give up your seat for a white person who would then come and sit, take your seat. Even if you were an, uh, you know, a little old lady or a woman or a pregnant woman, right. you had to always give up your seat for a white person, like they came first. And so the, the famously, one day she says, no. Yeah, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to give up my seat for a white person. What is going on is wrong. And, of course, this is uh, at the time when tension is really building to push back against segregation. Black people had their own schools. They had their own churches. They were not allowed to. They had their own bathrooms, own water fountains. In the South, segregation was such an extreme thing that they were they were second class citizens. Yeah. They weren't getting good education. They weren't. Ha they didn't have access to um, uh, the things that you know just 
even poor white people did. Right. And so tension was mounting and building to say, no, that everybody is the same. Everybody should have equal access to everything. This one woman causes, it's almost, uh, you know, one of the tipping points of, of segregation. And all she does was not give up her seat. She refuses to give up her seat on the bus. What do you do in situations? I mean, she, and especially if you were a hardcore segregationist, segregationist at the time, you would call her a troublemaker, right? Yeah. Why don't you just give up your seat? Or maybe there, there were even some, some black people, African-Americans at the time, who thought maybe we just continue to wait it out until this generation of white people, you know? Right. Maybe we shouldn't cause so much trouble. Yeah. And her response was just to say, this isn't right. I'm not going to give up my seat. And it again, it starts, it, it continues or builds into the, the civil rights movement. What do we do in situations that are wrong? So it was a law. Right. But it was a bad law. Segregation was law across the South. It allowed people to discriminate against black people yeah but it was a wrong law right. right so in your situation and even in my situation where things are maybe legal but wrong those are the things that that really build I think tension for us especially as Christians right yeah and not even just Christians everybody who has a conscience like how how do we respond in those types of situations I mean, I think her example is good because, like you say, she's a troublemaker, but she didn't yell. She didn't scream, at least from what we're told, right? right? We weren't there. Right. But it sounded like she just was like, I'm not going to get up. Right. So it's not so much what she did, but what she didn't do. Right. Right? So that's... But she broke the law. She broke the law. So uh, rules were made to be broken. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Said, really said really like a true troublemaker. <laughs> it's not. But I think that there's a level of, I don't know if it's, I guess, just like personality or whatever, but like the challenging, like, well, why do we do that? Yeah. Even me, like getting, anytime I go to a new job or a new place, I'm just like, new church, I'm mm -hmm. just like, so why are we, I just like to know why. Right. Because if the response which it typically is, is like, <laughs> oh, we've always done it this way. Right. Then that triggers something in me to be like, you're just, the blind leading the blind. <laughs> no one's asking questions because I feel, I guess because I was so, I felt so controlled yeah. as a kid and I felt like I couldn't trust people. Right. I still have trust issues where wow. I feel like you might not be the best person to like lead me or I'm, that might be how you're running your company right now, but maybe we can reevaluate and have new and fresh ideas and just, I want to bring change right. because I always think that there's a way to do something better. Right, right. There's new technology that comes out every weekend. There's something new but, that we could probably like, let's just, right. And sometimes you evaluate and you say, you know what? Nope. This is the best way right. to do it. Cool. But especially if there is no good reason for it being done a certain way or if how it's being done is harmful. Right. It's like, ask the questions, but here's the thing. Like, like, the majority of people are very kind of, I don't know how to say it in like a, a nice not, way, not offensive way, <laughs> but like, you can tell us we're all dumb. I mean, we don't, the majority dumb. of us do not have, <laughs> that is not what do I'm not saying. have a 136 IQ. So I mean, I want to say the word <laughs> is sanguine sanguine okay i don't know if that's the right word but there's like this personality test that has like different words whatever basically you're more or more phlegmatic i think is the term you're wanting. maybe that's that just one. kind of easygoing just go with the flow just yeah relax. yeah so it's, okay. it's more so the way i see it is more like leader versus follower mm -hmm. right so right. like i show up to work and it's like i don't know i'm just waiting for my boss to tell me what to do mm. But let's say your boss doesn't come in for like two hours. So you sure. just kind of hang out for two hours right. where it's like my personality is more of like, well, Let's, let me find something to do. Right. right. There's always something to get right. done. I can reorganize the filing cabinet, right. you know, like something random. Yeah. I can check all my emails and delete all the old ones. Sure. And there's a thousand of them in there. Let right. me go through it. Like I would find something. I would take more mm. initiative where the 
average person, statistics say, would be more willing to wait hmm. because of, well, I don't want to cause trouble or right. no one told me to go and do right. this. So I don't, they don't want to cause any type of conflict because that makes them uncomfortable. Or there's a, there's a bit of laziness there. Or well, you said it, not me. <laughs> I mean, and I think we all have it, right? Yeah. That there are times when we just don't want to do something. And if we go find something to do, then we have to do it, yes. right? So it's much easier to sit back and just go with the flow, let yeah. our, wait till our boss tells us what to do. Or And so those kinds of people would be like, well, the law says that I got to give up my seat, mm-hmm. so I'm going to give up my seat. Like, I don't even think that they, I think there's two sides. There's the people who are like afraid, like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm going to follow the rules because right. I'm not trying to get into any trouble. Right. I don't need them hurting my family right. or whoever. Like, I just right. will do what you ask me to do. And then I think there's the people that are like, I never thought once that I couldn't give up my seat. Wow. Because why would you think of breaking the rules? Like, these are the rules. We follow them. Well, and so I feel like part of that, especially when it comes to religion and churches, and I mean, that's that's my, that's what I'm familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. That, that is, that is a false theology that tells us that we've got to always follow the person who's in charge. Uh, we mistakenly refer back to the passage in scripture where David says, don't touch the Lord's, uh, I won't touch the Lord's anointed. That was right. referring to Saul, first of all, yeah. who is a king, yeah. right? Very different position than yeah, our, yeah. than our leaders today. Yeah. And there's nowhere else, especially in the new Testament that it describes leaders, Christian leaders like that. And so we have a really bad theology of, of obedience without, without question right. where, where there's no room to, and again, for this fear that I'm going to go to hell if I go against my church or my pastor or my parents, if I say something that I shouldn't say. And it's a lot more systemic, I think, than people realize. And I'll bring up the recent documentary that you and I have talked about, um, uh, the one on the Duggars. I, I forget mm-hmm. what it's called. Uh, shiny Happy People. Shiny Happy People. And just the... It's on Prime. <laughs> it's on Amazon Prime. Watch maybe, it. <laughs> maybe they'll give us a kickback for promoting it. Um, but the... The, the extremes that we'll go to, and I think it's a conditioning. And yeah. I think for for and obviously not being African American, I don't want to speak for them, but I, I think so many years of oppression right. and slavery, and there were times they did try to to revolt and push back, but so much around them and so much abuse and the uh, the Ku Klux Klan uh, killing yeah. them and. They were under such a, a an oppressive system that it may have even, yeah, they may have thought, I, I can't. I can't fight back. Right. It wouldn't even cross my mind. This is just what I got to do yeah. to survive, right? It's normal for them right. to be told that they're less than. And you're like, oh, I guess I am. Right. For some people. And then you have the ones that are like, no, no we're not. Right. <laughs> like, wait a minute. Or like, who began to, um, who began to really again, question and say, we can, we can do something about this, that this isn't right. And uh, I love the fact that if you study the civil rights movement in America, it started in churches. It started mm. with pastors. And there's a, there's a little known fact that it actually started even with women like Rosa Parks and others that they don't get, and there's many more women, and I, I wish I knew their names today uh, or could could share them today, but many more of them who are actually at the forefront of the movement. And it's, but it started with kind of this idea that no, all men are created equal. We're made in the image of God. It doesn't matter our skin color or our position or our lot in life. We're all, uh, we all need to be treated respectfully. And it was, it was in those, especially with Dr. King, it was those peaceful forms of protest, right? So it was, marching in the streets. It was going into those restaurants and sitting at the whites only counter. And, and again, not the violent, but the peaceful protest of going against what everybody else said was law. Yeah. What they couldn't do. Right. Yeah. And it, it feels like, and especially throughout history, you've got these quote troublemakers and not all troublemakers are good, by the way, because there's quite a few <laughs> sociopathic well, troublemakers that yes. we won't mention, and, and <laughs> hopefully we can tell the difference. 
But even going back to Martin Luther, mm -hmm. all Martin Luther was trying to do was ask questions. Mm -hmm. His whole 95 theses, yeah. it was questions, questioning and challenging the abuses within the system. He was not trying to overthrow it. He wasn't trying to establish his own church. He was just you asking, you know, like yeah. you asking your mom, but why? Why is it this way? Why is it that way? Mm -hmm. I, it, it seems like, and especially where we're going, uh, you know, the church is headed even today, but institutions, religious institutions, we need a whole lot more troublemakers, whether they have a 136 IQ or not. <laughs> <laughs> You're so annoying. <laughs> Anyways, no, so what's interesting, though, is there's another documentary or like a, not a documentary, it's like a show that they made about the Underground Railroad. Yeah. And it like follows a girl. I only got through the first episode, so let me not even give anything away. But <laughs> it supposedly follows a girl while she's like uh, a slave and she's going to run away. And it's like how they get to the point of, well, at least what I watched is all the way up to how they get to the point of like, it's time we need to go and we need right. to find our way out of here. And they show uh, one scene, very graphic. So mm. if it's not your thing, it's not an easy watch, especially just because like, you know, that it really happened. Yeah. And also my brain always tells me like, this is the most creative that we could be thinking of, thinking of how, thinking of it ourselves and right. making it a film or whatever. But right. it was probably way, way worse in worse. reality. Right. Um, but they show, they were like torturing this man, a slave, whipped him, mm. ended up burning him. He was still alive and they're oh doing all gosh. this stuff. And it's a, it's a crazy scene at like a tea party. Wow. Like this is their entertainment. The, a, a white a white, white tea, tea like, party. Yeah, like the owners of the plantation okay. are sitting there. They have guests over. Oh my gosh. There. It's like we're eating lunch, oh hanging out gosh. under the sun, and there's people whipping him, and you just hear him in the background yelling and screaming. Oh my and gosh. so the owner goes to his guest, and he's like, hey, you're barely eating your food. Like how come you're not eating? And the guy's like, well... It's a little difficult for me to sit here and enjoy this meal yeah. when there's a man over there who's literally, his body's being ripped to shreds. Like, yeah. so you could see that there were some people yes. that yes. they're trying to represent, you know, in the film. Like, not every white person or even Southern person correct. was for slavery. And yeah. so it was like, there's compassion. Yeah. Maybe he didn't think, you know, he was equal, but like. The man doesn't deserve to be whipped right. like this. And I'm not going to sit here and eat lunch right. while he's doing that. And then the owner's response was like, your problem is you're putting man and a colored person in the same. Wow. Like you're acting like a slave is right. the same as a man and they're not. Wow. And so he's trying to convince this guy like, don't feel bad. Just eat your food and whatever. Wow. And so then he ends up eating. But you can even see in that scene, it's like. Why didn't you stand up and say, no, yes, yes right. he's not whatever. Right. He is a man. Right. He just happens to be darker than me, right. but he deserves to live. He doesn't right. deserve that. Like, why didn't he do something? But you could see he was like, okay, I'm just going to eat the food then. Because right. it's like, I'm on your plant. Like, I'm your guest. I'm, right. This is your, I don't know. Right. And I think the majority of people would do that. Well, and be, and, and worry then about being ostracized in the community, right? Everyone so, else is now going to treat you bad. Yes. Yeah. So, and just, and this is. This is one of the, uh, you know, sociologists and others can speak to this much better, but the whole ostracizing of people and kicking them out of the community or being outcasts right. is one of the reasons why we don't want to cause trouble more right. often. One of the reasons why we don't want to stand up and speak to and address the things that are wrong or care for the people that need to be cared for because... If especially in a group setting, even if others feel the same way as you, the likelihood is that they will not stand up yeah. and do something, right? Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I don't know, like in your church, for example, in your church situation, um, probably most people just left, right? Well, yeah, so everyone <laughs> went away to college <laughs> at 18 and then just never came back. <laughs> It's like, uh, oh. I'm going away to school, guys, which is always good. Like, yeah, yeah. education is great. And then right. it's like, I'm never going back to that church again. <laughs> There's a few that went back and, you know, yeah. they're there. And it's like, okay. But part of me was 
since I was the loudest and I asked the most questions and I was the, I don't mean loudest as far, I mean, I'm loud. <laughs> like, my decibels are louder than others. But I mean, like, I was the most outspoken. Mm -hmm. There were people that would ask questions, like, after me. Okay. So because I'm asking questions, it's like, yeah, what she said. You know okay. what I mean? So I think I kind of Opened the door. made a little bit of a pathway for sure. people. But then once I left, then it was like... Anybody else going to be loud and obnoxious? No. And I, my mom is still there, right? My grandma's yeah. still there. And so I hear stories now of some of the younger, like way younger, because, you know, this is like 20 years ago. No, I'm not that old. 10 years ago? 15 years ago? So the ones that were, you know, eight or nine yeah. when I was there, and it was kind of like, look at Adriana, this rebellious whatever. Now that they're teenagers, it's like, hey. <laughs> and it's the same questions. Same it's the, questions. It's like they're stuck in time. So same, same questions. questions, same kind of thing. And so now my mom is like, hmm. I see it happening now with the next generation. Right. And it's just like, what do you do, you know? You know, one of the things, and I hope this is not, not – um, sharing too much information that you've shared with me, but you've, you've shared at times that you, you do, you have felt like kind of the outside person, the, I don't know the phrase, I don't remember the phrase that you've used with me, but mm -hmm. like the, um, oh, the problem, that's what it is, yeah. that you're the problem yeah. and that you felt like that in a lot of situations. Um, I think there are, it's easy to identify, it's easy to place the blame for whatever the situation is, or it's easy to put attention on what we, quote, say are problem people, or again, troublemakers, right. um, as a way of deflecting from what's really going on in the system. So Martin Luther, excommunicated, right? It was yeah. much easier, instead of answering his questions, and they had a whole, like, argument and debate about it, and then in the end, they just kicked him out. They said, yeah. we don't want to deal with this guy. Now, they didn't, they didn't realize that it, that would literally start the flame and, uh, of that part of the Protestant Reformation. That was the worst thing the Catholic Church could have done because yeah. it just made things worse, right? Yeah. Um, but it was much easier to just kick him out, and, you know, he's the problem, Everything else is okay in the system. Right. He's the problem. As long as nobody questions anything, <laughs> we're fine. And it's like, I have a question. You can go outside. <laughs> Get out of here with your questions. <laughs> Which I think, like you said, a lot of people have questions. They just would be like, oh, were we, were we asking questions? I didn't, they, didn't, they didn't open the floor for Q&A. And it's like, I didn't wait for that. I just asked a question in the middle of the sermon. Wait a minute. <laughs> So do you feel, like at your age now, do you feel like, and you've, you know, it's, it's it at times is hard being, quote, the problem, because mm -hmm. you're not, but it's hard being labeled that. Do you feel more inclined today than ever before to challenge the system, ask questions, or do you feel, is there a hesitancy, or have there been times when there's a hesitancy because you don't want to be labeled, pushed aside, outcast? Yeah, so uh, last year is when I moved to California, right, from New York. So everything was new. New church, new job, new friends, new everything. So I had a lot of questions. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> Partially because... I didn't know anything, right? I'm new. I just want to get to know everything. Right. But then once I started realizing, then it would be like, well, why? <laughs> so there was, I, I probably still am a little hesitant just because I don't want to come across as I'm asking questions because I'm trying to start problems. Right. Because I'm not always trying to start an issue. <laughs> Sometimes I am. Not, or just to get people to realize things. Right. But I try not to be passive aggressive. I just, you know, it's kind of hard to. <laughs> not everyone understands my directness, so well, I have to try and figure it, out a way it, to ask the right to questions. To be fair, I don't think I don't I don't feel like you ask questions to cause problems. I really yeah. don't. I it's it it's never like, oh, she's just here trying to stir the pot. She just wants to know. Like yeah. she just is asking the question. And I think I feel better about it because I've just went through a whole mm. season of everything being new. And I have asked a lot of questions about a lot of different things. And I've had people in my life that are like, hey, we're okay with you asking questions. And I'm like, oh, you are. Because <laughs> people worry my whole life. <laughs> so it feels 
good to me when I have yeah. had leaders or people in my life that are like, that's a great question. You're yeah. right. Let's look into that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel accepted. <laughs> like if me, because I've just always been this way. Yeah. So I don't feel like quote unquote the problem. Right. Also, I offer solutions when I feel like, Absolutely. right. So it's like, Hey, this probably isn't the best way to do this. Why do we do it this way? Right. Oh, because of this. And I'm like, well, I think the better way would be <laughs> this option. Which and is the opposite of a tr- of like true true person who's just trying to stir up problems. Right. If you're just going to throw a bomb, like ask a question and then leave. Yeah, I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> I want to know how it's going to be solved, and I already have three different ways <laughs> that we can do it, whichever way makes you feel more comfortable. <laughs> but I really, because honestly, when it comes down to it, like the heart behind me asking the questions, like I'm trying to find sustainability, yeah. right? Because right. even like. If you look at, like, my mom's church, they're doing better, I guess, now than, I don't know how you want to measure it, but whatever. One of my concerns as a teenager was every teenager that grew up in this church leaves. Yeah. So there's not something wrong with every teenager. No. They're all just sinners and they're all going to hell and they're all terrible. Yeah, yeah, it's their fault. It's like... Maybe the system that we have is not working because right. now, so, you know, you, you're born and raised in the church, you're a teenager, then you have, like, the men's and women's group, which is all the married people. Right. All of those people got saved in their 20s or 30s, right. already married, or whatever, the majority of them, or they were there since the church started, right? There's just, like, the okay. whole whatever. Right. When I was there, there was not one husband and wife group of people who were teenagers. Wow. And the church started in the 80s. Wow. So, like, at this point, you're 40 years. You should right. have kids who go from teenagers to get married and stay in the church. Correct. And nobody. Not one. Wow. So, that's questionable to me. Right. As a As a system, right. I feel like it's failing. Right. Because that's, and this is my example, which I don't know if it's the best analogy, but I'm like... It's like if our country was like America is known for having the best schools that teach the best doctors who then go move and live in other countries <laughs> and our doctors everywhere else. But we have no doctors in our own country. Like, right, right, right. That means we don't have a good system. Right. Because nobody's here in our, we don't have right. any doctors here. You know what I mean? Like, right. why, where's the cutoff and why? Right. So I'm like, can we just question it and just mm. look at it? And it typically is like, they don't want to follow the rules. And right. I'm like... Yes. <laughs> so partially, but also, you know, we've, you have some that just left and like, don't care about the church thing. They've right. really been wounded by church and yeah. they just kind of have fell off. But then you also have some where it's like myself, I just went to a different church yeah. and I went and I used my gifts and talents yeah. and grew and God is, and did, I mean, literally moved me across the country. Didn't reject but God. You didn't reject God. In that type of a system, you could yeah. have. And Cause I was like, because there was enough moments hmm. where I knew that God saw me. Yeah. I knew that God was speaking to me. I knew he was real. Wow. So I really want to go to church, but I also want to wear <laughs> pants. So I'm going to go to a church that loves to wear pants, guys. And just let me rock. Let me go. Let me wear what I want to wear and not have it feel like that's more important yeah. than your relationship with God. At the end of the day, the relationship with God is the most important thing. So I learned to be okay with like, questioning myself Mm. like am I just trying to cause trouble Mm. because sometimes I feel like you know let's stir the pot a little (laughs) but there's a difference between stirring the pot to bother people slash like you have to stir the pot so like the noodles don't stick together okay because if nobody stirred this pot for years such a great always great analogies always nobody great. wants pasta that's all hugging each other and they're stuck together we got to stir it every few minutes well and one of the things that and you see this in unhealthy uh, places families institutions churches whatever is that again they don't allow questions because questions then challenge the system but thinking it from like a human standpoint and from an emotional standpoint the people in those places, you in that church, um, you know, e- even going back to, I mean, and this is the most extreme, of course, Rosa Parks and other uh, black people in the segregated South, they were not being seen and heard and right. cared for, right? And in, in situations where 
where questions are not allowed and you are not allowed to be different from the system. You are not allowed to stand out. You're not allowed to push back. You're not allowed to just ask questions. You as a person, um, it develops, it can develop a, a whole, you know, a feeling, a, a, almost a, a state of being where you don't feel heard or seen or loved. And I like the fact that that you said that there were enough moments where you felt like God saw you mm-hmm. and he spoke to you. And that probably did save your walk with God. Yeah. The, the, because that is part of our human nature. We have to be seen. Yeah. We have to be known. We have to be heard. We have to be loved as individuals. And when our leaders, whether it's Martin Luther or Rosa Parks, um, or you, if our leaders are not allowing us to be seen, heard, known for our, our differences, our uniqueness, and when needed, you know, providing correction, but when we're not allowed to question or, 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 or be different, um, it does not only really, really harm, does a lot of harm to the person, it does continuous harm to the system. And again, if we go back to the life of Jesus, Jesus was hearing people. He was seeing people. He was caring for them. He was ministering to them. And he was challenging and, and, and allowing people to ask him questions mm-hmm. and trying to bring people back to the essence of what it meant to serve God. And they didn't like that. And he was disrupting their whole, their whole followers. What is interesting, you know, when you think about Jesus is that despite all that he did and how well he was known, when it comes down to it, you really only have 120 in the upper room, right? Right. After all that he did, it was still too hard to be different from the system. Yeah. And it's not like under Jesus's ministry, everything exploded. It did then, uh, you know, on the day of Pentecost, it exploded. But even then, it was still a slow movement because the, the system in place at that time was the Jewish religious system, then it was the Roman religious system, and it was still hard to stand out. And yet, I believe it is God's desire for us to be unique individuals who do stand out, who who are able to ask questions, who are able to challenge, and who are able to be us. I mean, what would the world be like without Adriana and her 136 IQ? (laughs) Well, you'll never have to know because I'm here. (laughs) I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon, so. Any final thoughts as we close this out? This, uh, again, has just been kind of resonating with me thinking about last week I talked about the church and institutions and talked about Martin Luther and, and you know, what he did to push back against the system. And so it continued to resonate with me is thinking about what, you know, these individuals who stood up and again, they didn't try, Martin Luther didn't come in guns blazing and try to take down the church. Right. He just asked questions. Yeah. Rosa Parks didn't go to, you know, the police, the court, whatever, and try to blow it up or try to use armed force or even use a platform. She didn't get up on a platform. She just refused to stand up right. on a bus. And I think, I think that all of us can do those types of things it, and risk, risk being maybe seen as different or risk being pushed on the outside but we may be asking the very questions that others are asking, and we may allow for the opportunities for others to have their voices be heard. If we all stay quiet mm-hmm. when things are wrong, when things are unjust, when things uh, have to be questioned, there will never be change. Right. I mean, I don't really know what it's like to stay quiet. <laughs> I know that I've had a lot of people that say, like, you, because you did this, now I feel more safe, too, Mm. right? Like, one of my best friends always says, you take it to, like, such an extreme level (laughs) that I'm, like, anywhere under that, I'm safe. Because no matter what she does, it's like, Adriana's going to do more. So it's like, (laughs) I'm good. Like, I feel okay doing whatever, asking whatever questions, because, like, you asked the question first, or, like, open the, the... 
the door for yeah. people to walk through. So I don't mind. And I know that there's some people that are just like built that way. Yeah. And then there's other people that are like, that's not me. I'm not that. Right. But one of the things that I always think about is, um, I remember one time I was at, I used to work at a church. And so we had, uh, like weddings, funerals, all those kinds of things, right? We, that would happen all the time. And so we were at a funeral one time, and I was in the back doing the sound tech stuff or whatever. Stuff. Yeah, tech stuff. And the pastor said, we're here today. We're going to read this eulogy. But it's like, you're still alive. Those of us that are listening, hmm. if you were to die today, what would yours say? And right. are you okay with that? Right. Because you still have a chance to change mm. it. You could still change the story. How right. are people going to remember your name? Right. What are you going to be known for? Right. And that kind of stuff. And I think that, like you said, I don't think Rosa Parks and all them were like, I can't wait to be in the history books. Right. I don't, it didn't matter about no. being famous, right? They were right. just trying to bring change. Right. But if I think about the legacy that I leave, my kids or my mm. grandkids or whoever yeah. down the road can look back and be like, remember that Adriana girl? She was Corrine. <laughs> like, but because of her, she, we can now have this, yes. this, this, you know, yes. like that where I feel like that is important to me. Hmm. Maybe it's not important to everyone who's listening. Maybe hmm. you're like, I'm okay with not causing any trouble. <laughs> Just live my life and let me die in peace. <laughs> Amen. Whatever. But at least for me, like, even when I think about, like you um, talked about Jesus, he didn't, always make a huge scene mm -mm. either it right. just was like you know oh jesus this right. this uh woman is caught in the act yeah. and he's like who who didn't sin here right. oh none of you guys <laughs> all right well have a nice day like see you guys later and they all like left ashamed because they're like man right. you're right we do have sin and it wasn't that he was like cursing at them no. and being like you're just as much trash right. like he didn't make them feel bad to put them down but he's yeah. like you're trying to say she's not the reality is you guys are the same so right. slow down with your judgments <laughs> and i think that they i mean there was the group of people that eventually hated him because right. he just kept doing that to them right but really it's because you hate yourself right and you're projecting down there. that's that guy's fault you know right so you don't have to be the loud whatever mm. person to to stir the pot right yeah. even though Stirring the pot is okay. No, but you don't have to be that person. But I think like, yeah, like I said with Rosa Parks, just just by simply not standing up, which yeah. was standing up for right. what's right and wrong right. morally, not legally, right? right? Just right. those little things that's like, hey, this is what I believe, especially as Christians, like you said, we're, we have a certain standard of things that we believe. So I don't have to uh, celebrate everything the world celebrates. Right. I can accept who you are and right. I can accept the things you believe even though we're different and like right. agree to disagree. Right. But I don't have to go out of my way yes. to celebrate and do right. all the things and make sure everyone feels comfortable. We don't offend anyone because mm. we don't want to be canceled mm. and all those things. Right. I can just live my life as an example. Right. And I believe that that draws people to like, Absolutely. well, what is it about your life? How come you're not, you know, they, yeah. they start asking these questions about you right. because you do stand out right. without necessarily doing all these big things putting, putting a spotlight on you or yeah. dyeing your hair different colors and being like look at me <laughs> well every christian yeah. i i mean I, I love what you're saying every christian should essentially stand out yeah because there's something different about us we we have christ the holy spirit inside of us and so wait you ready there's a song every time we around here i always sing something today okay today's episode it. go for it this little light of mine <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. That's literally what I'm picturing while you're singing. Just you being you, yeah. being a Christ follower, right, right. is a little light that shines that people are like, to yeah. some, their eyes might hurt a little more than others, depending <laughs> on how long it's been since they've been in the light. Or how bright that light is. I think yours is... That's a whole thing. Yours is pretty bright. If you have a bright light... People who have not been, they've been in That's the dark true. so long, it's going to offend that. them. Another good analogy. And it's not that the light is wrong. <laughs> it's just that they need time to adjust. Right. Anyways, <laughs> with that, the end. <laughs> well, thanks for listening for uh, to this episode of the Nefesh Podcast, episode 48, with the one and only, the number one troublemaker. No, not, not true. Um, After Jesus. <laughs> Um, and, and hopefully some of this as you reflect upon your own life and again, just the ways that you can impact the world around you as a follower of Jesus, 
um, allowing, yeah, your light, the, the hope that is in you to be different. Not so that you are intentionally causing problems, but, but sometimes in your life, living for Jesus with your morals and values, you may cause you may cause friction or things to stand out because you're trying to do what is right. And I, I, there's a phrase that just keeps running around in my head. And I know, I know, I know that I for sure do not live by this all the time. But just, you know, do the right thing always, right? And it sometimes is just that easy. Like, do the right thing always. Um, sometimes we don't, it's a little hard to know what might be the right thing. But sometimes it's actually very clear. And so... With that, thanks for listening again, episode 48. We'll talk to you next time.